Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is David Smith. This is David. Hello. Young David (laughs) is the executive director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Dave, mm-hmm. we have a special guest once again, Jeannie Ives, former state representative, former gubernatorial candidate, and... Conservative warrior. Conservative warrior, and just someone we really like to have in our little studio here. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, boy, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, I think Joe's bad, but I really think Kamala's worse. What do you think, Jeannie Ives? <laughs> well, I mean, I think we're in for... Uh, a rude awakening uh, in terms of being a religious people who know that this country was founded uh, with the idea of religious freedom. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think that that's one of the most scary things. I was um, reading First Things, uh, uh, and there was um, George Weigel wrote an inaugural Reflections on American Renewal. And George Weigel is an author, political analyst, and social activist. Uh, He's uh, the Distinguished Senior Fellow for the Ethics and Public Policy Center as well. Um, But he wrote, shortly after inauguration, the new president's administration will begin an assault on the conscious rights of medical professionals, on the inalienable right to life from conception until natural death, and on religious freedom, which the administration's nominee for Secretary of Health and Human Services believes is reducible to the state's tolerance of certain weekend leisure time activities. I mean, and he writes out, you know, that uh, in this unprecedented situation, what are the commitments to be reaffirmed by those promoting a religiously informed public philosophy for the American experiment in ordered liberty? And he had a few suggestions. I mean, he said we should affirm that the United States is a national community of moral and political conviction, not a politity based on blood and soil, ethnicity or race. I mean, he said we should affirm that religious freedom is a matter of constitutionally protected rights of communal and institutional life, as well as the rights of conscience and personal convictions. This is exactly the opposite direction that the secular Democrats want to go. They put together a 28-page document that they sent to Joe Biden and the congressman that I ran against, Sean Caston, signed on to this document. That's right. His name is affixed to the document. And so did Hemet Mehta, who is the neighborhood-friendly atheist uh, who's gone to battle with Lori Higgins a number of times on our blog. Um, I'll tell you what, that's, that's alarming that these atheists feel so emboldened that they can send a letter to the, to the president of the United States and say, here, here's the agenda we want you to go after. Well, just some of the 28 points that um, were put together in this Worldview Weekend Broadcast Network include eliminating government support for all crisis pregnancy centers and all absence-only education programs, deny free speech and religious liberty to select Americans based on their religious belief, incentivize states to strip parents of all non-medical exemptions to mandatory vaccinations for children in schools or daycare centers, remove In God We Trust from U.S. currency. I mean, it goes on and on. It includes things like if you are giving a speech, uh, they are telling the people in their administration, people in the military, do not make any reference towards patriotism or God because they don't want those to become intertwined in people's minds that to believe in God is to be a good patriot. Mm. It's just, it's just, this is, this is who the, 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 these are people 
that currently hold office that make votes on your lives, and this is their agenda. So Sean Caston, the con- current uh, congressman from the 6th Congressional District, District has right? the courage to sign on to this. That tells me he doesn't fear. He re- represents Wheaton College. My goodness. Right. Think right. So let's that. put this in perspective. He represents some of the most, or religious input. There's some great in, churches there. In Well, in our not only just in DuPage County, not just only in the state of Illinois, but really across the nation, they're recognized. They're, they've been called the, the Harvard of Christian colleges, for heaven's sakes, and he represents them, and yet he holds these views. The intolerance is palpable. And what what should the response of pastors and church leaders be across the state of Illinois to this? They, they're going to have to form a coalition to 100% if, – if this actually – if these types of ideas get pushed into legislation where you will have to adopt particular policies of the, the federal overlords, otherwise you lose your 501c3 status. And what I'm talking about is if you don't want – if, if you have a provision where, guess what, we do not allow uh, same-sex couples to um, – uh, for example, teach in our particular Christian institution. Right. You know, we, we just don't allow that. Well, the the federal government would love to take that away from you. And if they if they can't force it on you, they may take away your 501c3 status, which means you lose your non-for-profit status. That's right. And that's where they're going with all this. They will punish you if you refuse to um, change your beliefs to what their beliefs are. Will they do this? I, you know, I, you the, know. Actually, I don't know if we in college could actually have a faith statement, really, or a faith creed that they people must adhere to, if this were to actually go into place. Well, well, well. And, and I'm assuming that they'll go the traditional route of pushing through these items incrementally. But nowadays, maybe they just say, "Hey, we can go for the whole ball of wax here." I wouldn't put it past them. I think when they know that in two years you've got another election coming up and they could possibly lose the House, I don't. I think that they're right. more emboldened to actually put yep. things in legislation, knowing full well that it is much harder to undo that to undo it mm. once the legislation is set. Wow! And so I, I think that they were are they are going to go full bore down this road. Um, and the, you know they're they're ready to take on the nuns again in terms of health care and what has to be in your insurance plan. I mean, this is exactly where they're going so with all this. So Sean Caston and his friends are saying to America, "You must think and act as we dictate." Right? Is that isn't that what they're doing? Yes, and you know we we highlight in my campaign, but li- literally he is he mocks religious people. He has no respect for religious people. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it, 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 you know and, and now, and now you see a 28-page document. You can find it on the Internet. Go ahead. I've posted it on my we'll, Facebook we'll site, too. I'm, yep, so I'm sure that you guys have written about it or will write about it. And you can read for yourself yeah, IllinoisReview.com has a wonderful article mm-hmm. about it. Yep. yep. You can read their demand letter. In the days and weeks leading up to the inauguration of Joe Biden— Biden continually said he wants unity. This is not unity. This is comply, conform, or be punished, right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We're not rallying around the U.S. Constitution. We're not rallying around the First Amendment. They are pushing through or wanting to push through legislation that will punish 
many Americans, now we're not going to say 75 million, but um, many Americans who want to just live by the dictates of their faith. How do we fight back? Well, I, I, do, I do believe that um, pastors need to be very bold about informing the, the, the people yeah. that they pastor. I mean, I, I do think that there's enough folks. And, and the, actually, the Catholic Church needs to finally stand up yeah. to this type of religious bigotry and remind people of, of the, you know, America's founding and America's history. And also the religious persecution that has been suffered by many across the world and how we are not going to turn, um, you know, turn parts of the United States into weaker re-education camps that you find yeah, in China. That's right. It's not going to happen. So, uh, I mean, I just think we all need to vigorously, like, you know, if it wasn't so serious, you just want to laugh them out of the room and say, you, you, under, you understand nothing about the nation's founding right. if That's you're right. going down this path. You are laughable. No. They but. want to recreate America. I mean, that's the whole thing with, uh, you know, the, the, the 1619 Project you sure. know, from the New York Times. Why do they hate us? That's my, you know, I, I don't get that. People of faith have built this country, and they hate us. Why is that? What do you think? You know, I'm not a psychologist. I, I can't explain it. It's it's about power and control. And when you again yep. control the culture, That's when it. when when and 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 then all everything that they also like, uh, all the dominoes fall down if you don't have a moral authority uh, that guides your principles. And so, uh, if you're just an economic being and you're nothing more than that, you're just somebody there who's to work and to pay taxes. Then that's what they want. They don't want you to understand what what are you getting for your taxes. They don't want you to understand just wars. They don't understand want you to understand anything like that. So, so um, how important yeah. is it now, in retrospect, that um, Donald Trump put so many conservatives, at least constitutionalists, um, on the federal courts in in the Supreme Court? Well, that actually could be his, his biggest legacy. Yeah. I think that's where we, because all of this, all of this, if this were to go into fact, this is where we're going to be spending lots of money on court cases. Yep. This is where the Little Sisters of the Poor will be back in court. This is where Hobby Lobby will be back in court. Yep. Uh, the cake baker uh, in Colorado will be back in court. I mean, this is, the courts are going to be inundated. In, in, yes, with, with cases. And they would rather wait us out in court and try and uh, change the culture. Um, and, and they've got the money. Well, the and lawyers. the initial rulings from the Supreme Court seem as though they, they'll go in the right direction, right? So in favor of religious liberty. But, you know, we never know. <laughs> um, but but that, that's what I think people have to be weary of. Um, but we need to fight, and yeah. we need to fight on, on, on multiple levels. Well, so one way that we can fight is, uh, so if we're not, we're not the pastor of our church, for example, or we're not a, a lawyer who can help support these uh, th these folks who are undergoing, uh, you know, uh, persecution. Why don't we just speak up? Why are pe people can't be afraid That's to right. say what needs to be said? You, as an individual, need to talk about this and speak up. Yep. Um, and, and that's what we can do. Uh, we, we, because they, they would love to silence us, and that's the next educate step. Educate your family members, mm -hmm. educate your neighbors, mm -hmm. educate your pew uh, partners. That's yeah. right. Uh, educate your kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is, you know, we talk about uh, we need to get our kids out of the public schools, but if they're in the public schools, they're going to be taught 
this leftist agenda. That's right. Uh, that uh, really uh, our country wasn't found on Judeo-Christian principles, etc. Well, <laughs> you know, and there's a whole missionary field there then to push back. Yes, I mean, I, that's right. I, I, you know, I, you don't expect your kids to take on the fights of adults, um, but you do hope that they that they come to you. Uh, my hope is that they come to me if something is said in class, because I'm going straight to the principal <laughs> and and to the teacher, and yeah. I will set the record straight. Yeah, but I think a lot of pastors will say, I know of a pastor in particular. I won't mention him. <laughs> They're going to say, well, this is just kind of right-wing conspiracy, and this is never going to happen. And um, They typed out a 28-page document. Right. There you it's go. It's not conspiracy theorists. Just, uh, and what's the old yeah. mantra, the old thing? Um, you know, you may not be interested in politics, but politics may be interested in you. I mean, they're going to come. It's going to come a day where they're going to knock on your door and say, sir, did you counsel that uh, 14-year-old boy uh, against uh, his uh, homosexual inclinations and attractions? That's already illegal. In the state of Illinois, right, you can't right. do that. Well, no, well, pastors have a um, exemption, exemption, mm. but under this, they wouldn't be. What should six district residents, voters, be telling Sean Caston? Uh, that they want to recall him and that he's <laughs> toast in 2022, and that uh, if he thinks that he's going to impose his atheist views on our religious institutions. We're See, going to fight to him with everything possible. He needs to be 100% exposed. And yeah. then you need to go to your neighbors. Really, do you, do you abide by this? Do you abide by this? I mean, this, is, this goes past taxpayer funding of abortion, which is awful to begin with, awful. Uh, but it also includes that. It also includes getting rid of... Um, the Religious uh, you know. Freedom Restoration Act. If you That's think right. you're going to be protected by that, That's right. well, think Riff again. Yep. No, it absolutely dis- it actually gets rid of it. In yes. the document, that yep. is one of the things they want to get rid of. Wow. And the Mexico document that means that we're not going to fund um, abortion overseas. International, yeah. International abortions. So, I mean, they want to get rid of all of that. Yep. They, they uh, you know, this is a guy who believes in climate change. The world's going to end. So he certainly believes in population control. Mm. So, I mean, this uh, they need to know Mandatory population control i would uh, well suspect. you know what china had one child policy for many years now they're two child child policy hey you know this is the kind of guy that uh, is intolerant of our individual rights and freedom and conscience right i think there's government more, knows best i do believe though that this this is part of the democrat overreach part of their undoing part of people say that's nonsense um and and so i think that this is is we need to expose it because then I think it does go away. Right. I mean, are your neighbors, do you support the First Amendment? How many people are going to say no? Do you understand that it is being attacked by your congressman and 27 other people, public policy people? Yeah. You know, and they'll say, well, you know, we have to it's restrict. It's being attacked. We have to it's restrict, being undermined. We have to restrict hate, you know. And how do you define hate? You know, <sighs> you know. Um, yep. Well, well, I mean, at one point you had the Houston mayor wanting to know the you know, the contents of uh, right. the pastor's um, sermons. Sermons, and so <laughs> I, I guess I'm not surprised. Not surprised. <coughs> um, boy, pastors, you better wake up and you better say something about this, right, Dave? Mm-hmm. And they need to educate their constituents in the pews and get them activated. Educate and activate them. That's so important. Mm-hmm. These are the issues of the day that we're struggling with and wrestling with. If we're going to be good stewards of God's gift of self-government, this means taking up 
the helmet, the shield, and going into battle. You know, maybe pastors will listen. Right? We, we don't want to wait until we have no political tools left available to us. That is right. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. We will continue our conversation with former state representative Jeannie Eyes right after this. What are we going to talk about after the break? Dave? Voter integrity. Uh, we need more of that, don't we? <laughs> okay. <laughs> a, a, a ton more of that. Yes. All right. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Pastor McCracken, pastor of the Church of Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in Markham, Illinois. For the last four years, our church has been struggling to overcome the city's efforts to shut us down. In the midst of all of our legal issues, we felt overwhelmed and discouraged. All we wanted to do was worship the Lord and serve our community. We needed a law firm that not only had the knowledge of the law, but the same commitment of the kingdom of God. The Lord connected us with the law firm of Malcolm Baker. The attorneys at Malcolm Baker have not only provided us with exceptional legal representation and counsel, but have also provided us with the added gift of lawyers who pray with us and seek the guidance of the Lord at every step. After working with Malcolm Baker, we can't imagine working with anyone else. Hi, this is Noel Sterrett, an attorney with Malcolm Baker. If your church or ministry has any legal needs, please call us, 312-726-1243, or look us up online at maukbaker.com. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. Thanks for joining us. Monty Larry here along with David Smith, Yellow. the Executive Director of Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Late word that Joe Biden is awake at this hour. <laughs> We're joined by former state representative Jeannie Ives. Uh, boy, a lot of talk about voter integrity in Oof. this election. Yes. I don't think it, the discussion is going to go away anytime soon. And Jeannie, it should not go away anytime soon, right? Well, I I know firsthand that things were not done in accordance with the law or the Constitution. In and your race in, in the 6th Congressional District. In my race. Okay. Um, and I'm not saying that I lost because there was an overwhelming number of fraudulent votes. I'm not saying that. I am saying that there were there was there are question marks about who voted. And then there's also voter irregularities, and that is absolutely true. I mean, but every single election, there are people who vote that vote incorrectly. Yeah. They moved out of the district, but they just it's easier to go back to their old precinct. They've moved out of state, but they got the absentee ballot anyway. Oh, what's the big deal as long as I voted <laughs> once? I mean, this happens all the time. Those are illegal votes. Yeah. Those yeah. are votes that should not be counted. Yeah. But in DuPage County, we know for a fact that over 1,600 more ballots were cast than there are actually voters with a name to a vote. And I did this, this information. I have this information myself. Wow. Yeah, but you're I using have. regular math, right? <laughs> no, this is exactly what we have. So Bob Grogan, our, our DuPage County auditor, the auditor for the second largest county in the state of Illinois, uh, a CPA, a certified fraud examiner, somebody who knows what he's doing, was beat by a Democrat with no name ID and zero auditing experience or accounting background, none. And I ran a very light campaign. Bob lost his race by 75 votes, so he asked for a recount. I participated in that recount. A couple things came out. One, there were more than enough ballots 
uh, that did not have judges' signatures on them, mm. judges' initials on them, which invalidates that ballot. Mm-hmm. Those need to be thrown out. Wow. Okay, those need be, those are illegal ballots. Yeah. That is wrong, okay? Yeah. So those need to be thrown out. They should not be counted. Number two, like I said before, there are 1,600 more ballots cast. So something like 491,000 and change ballots were cast. But when you go to the voter record, which I have a copy of every single, all nine townships in DuPage County, I added up myself, Bob added up himself. There are only 489,000 and change Mm. voters listed as having voted in that election. She is off by over 1,600 votes. Wow. No name to them. Where did they come from? Are they interested in pursuing and getting an answer? No. In fact, they're mm. hiding. She, he tried to basically serve him a subpoena to, get, to, to go to the next step in the court process. And both his opponent and Gene Kaczmarek, the, the DuPage County clerk who won in 2018, a brand new Democrat, hadn't been in Democrats' hands for a long time, these elections, uh, she is also hiding as well. But not only is there that in DuPage County, the third party candidates got easier ballot access in the state of Illinois. And the way that they did it was a circumvention of the state legislature. What happened is the third party candidates sued in federal court. The federal judge cut a deal with the lawyer for the state board of elections who happened to be Mike Madigan's right hand man lawyer. Would that be Michael Casper? Mike Casper. That's right. Uh, Kwame Raoul appointed Mike Casper to oversee this election challenge in, on behalf of the State Board of Elections. And what Mike Casper did is he cut a deal in federal court with a federal judge to make much easier ballot access for third-party candidates. So instead of getting 16,000 signatures to get on the ballot, they only had to get 1,600 signatures to get on the ballot in my, in my race. Uh, they had more time to collect those signatures. They could collect those signatures online, and there was no um, notary required to validate that the circulator was attesting to the true um, circulation, uh, the, the correct circulation of that So petition. all the safeguards were thrown out. All the safeguards were thrown out. We, uh, we sued uh, over it. Um, uh, obviously, the State Board of Election agreed with their, uh, with their opinion because they cut the deal. It goes up to the circuit court. The circuit court judge returned it, uh, took a week, returned it with no comment whatsoever, no comment whatsoever, just returned it and upheld the, the uh, Board of Election um, opinion. So we sued an appellate court. Appellate, we asked for an expedited review of this. This is sometime in September because ba- uh, ballots were already getting um, sent out. And they de- declined to do an expedited review, so it's now at the appellate court. But they changed state election law in a federal court completely circumventing the state legislature. So the same thing that happened in Pennsylvania, I'm sorry, it happened right here in Illinois. Yep, yep. So there's no sort of like conspiracy about there. There's none of this like, oh, you guys are just talking about things being stolen, but they're not stolen. No, no, no. I know for a fact, <laughs> I know for a fact yeah. that they did this. This is illegal. It's unconstitutional. And I hope that our case is proven out in a state, a state of um, in the courts. And it just says the other states need to be proven out in the courts. It's so troubling to hear that the Democrats are not interested in pursuing this. They don't. They don't. They're only concerned about the end, right? The results. That's right. So um, one of my main concerns about all this is, as we we're talking about safeguard, you know, we've got election judges and poll uh, watchers um, who are there to make sure that everything goes smoothly and is on the up and up during election day. However, in Illinois now, they are extending early voting, mail-in voting 
for six weeks before election day. All right. So you got a six week window. And then I don't know if you know this, Jeannie, but the legislature and that a part of that 20 days they were meeting decided to go ahead and extend counting of mail in votes Mm -hmm. for two weeks after the election. So now you've got eight weeks, two months. What could go wrong? How how in the world do any any political party uh, bring in poll watchers and election judges to watch two months worth of voting? That is onerous and can't be done. Can't be done. It's ripe for corruption. One hundred percent. It's something that the Republican Party needs to work on now on the backside. We need to go through all these voter databases. We need to clean up the voter rolls. We need to look for anomalies. We need to prosecute fraud when we see it. So if we if we if we send a a team to an address and say, you know, you've got four different family names listed at this address who actually lives here. uh, And we find out that the person who lives here actually, you know, who who doesn't live here voted from here. But they need to be prosecuted. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents live in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Two registered voters in their home. They've been there for 40-plus years, same home. They received four unrequested ballots. Four. Four. They didn't ask for them. They were sent to them. Four wow. of them. Wow. So so this, this has got to be a, a priority issue for conservatives in the state of Illinois. Um, I, I'm not ever suggesting that we're going to have a perfect, error-free election. But we can certainly root out and safe root out a lot of the corruption and safeguard our elections to make it a minimum, where it's not going to affect. But how do uh, we do that? Well, voter ID <laughs> is, is is something that we need to push in this state, in my opinion. Maybe but, give everybody a so voter, we voter go ID. Back, we kind of come around to what we talked about in part one of our conversation earlier, which is why you need to win local elections. Yes. You have to win local elections. Yes. And then those, because those, and those people, are typically, we've got one coming up on April 6th, which is the consolidated mm-hmm. elections, which is usually 8 to 12% of the turnout, which is terrible, right? But if conservatives come out in greater number, we get to say who goes in those seats. That's right. And, you know, this includes your county clerk offices, your state rep offices. These folks are the ones who are making election law and can help enforce it. So I think that our work is definitely at the local level at this point. Absolutely. Good point. You know, mail-in balloting, as bad as it is, uh, is here to stay. Yeah, it is. So how do Republicans use mail-in balloting to their advantage? What steps must they take? I would say that we were going down the vote by mail path. We were trying to convince our voters that they wanted to do vote by mail, but it was very obvious that they did people didn't trust vote by mail. Right. So we moved to you should go ahead and early vote. Show up at the polls, physically put it in. And I think the biggest thing about vote by mail ballots is like people didn't trust the mail system to actually get their ballot there on time. I'll give you an with example. Good, yeah. I, I took my reason. my ballot and my wife's ballot. We did vote by mail. But I drove it to Joliet in and walked it into the Will County clerk and put it in their office, their Dropbox, in their office, because I did not trust the United States Postal Service. So if we're going to use vote-by-mail ballot, though, this is another really critical area where the voter roll has to be pure or as pure as possible uh, because it's, no it is voters. ripe for fraud. I mean, in 2005, both George Bush and I forgot another prominent Democrat, Jimmy Carter, came together and they basically, um, uh, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't George Bush. It was somebody else from his administration. They came together and they did a whole thing about 
uh, secure elections. And they, in, even in their report, admitted that vote by mail is, is ripe for fraud. And so when you're doing this, you have to, that signature verification needs to be adhered to. It needs to be looked at. Yep. I, I mean, I don't even want you to like show ID when you drop off your ballot. I don't know why that's such a difficult thing to that's do right. with a vote that's by right. mail ballot. I think these boxes just sitting out wantonly is a problem with me. They, they, they're secure. You just don't know who, who collected that ballot, who dropped it off that ballot. You have to have – you lose that um, chain of custody from the voter to the person who's counting the vote with vote by mail in so many other ways, and I think that is the biggest problem. What about giving a voter ID to every eligible voter? If they always saying, well, that suppresses a vote, voter ID suppresses a vote. Not if the federal government gives one to everybody. Well, you already can get a state ID with it That's exactly for no right. problem. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah my, there's my no mother-in-law problem. doesn't drive, and she's got a state ID. So mm-hmm. she doesn't need a driver's license. And I'll tell you, um, it's got to be an infinitesimal um, per small percentage of people who don't have some kind of state ID. Yeah. It seems as though... Democrats always beat Republicans. They hammer this in every election on health care. <laughs> My goodness. They want to take away your Obamacare and, you know, and all this. Policy is difficult. People don't connect dots. They don't understand it. Yeah. They don't think it ever affects them. How do we win on that issue? You have to put out more facts. People have to be confronted. So if you lose your job, let's say you have to go in buy a, a health care plan on the private market or on the, on the exchange, rather, the Obamacare exchange, uh, then maybe you realize how expensive it, it is and how um, – um, how it doesn't meet your needs. It's not the network you want, it, or everything. You're going to lose your doctor, right? So until people are confronted, I think, personally, with the, the results of the policies that politicians have put in place, they don't wake up. There is a, an entire – there's a huge set of people. And I would say they arguably they live a lot in the suburbs, um, quite frankly, in downstate too. But, I mean, it, there's a lot of people that make a lot of money in this economy – that have private health insurance from their employer who don't think two, twice about Obamacare and its policies. They just, they're insulated from all the bad policies. Either they're financially so well off that it doesn't matter to them, or they're protected by a, a big corporation yeah. that they, they, their job's secure. They don't, they don't think about public policy at all because they, they, they have the wherewithal financially to make it through or they just it's untouchable they don't care about public schools maybe their kids go to private school so they that is part of the problem you have to connect dots with people uh and then you know that's it make it personal making compelling and then we have emotional stories right that Mm -hmm. the democrats excel at and we we need to start doing that i mean the whole idea of for example um the the nuns who are being forced to buy abortifacients or you know in their health care plan are you kidding me that that should be out there front and center for all Christian organizations saying, look what they're trying to do to these 
Merciful nuns. I mean, what, what what are the names? Nuns' name? The, the n- little sisters of the poor. Little, I mean, their their name alone, you know, they, they should treat them. They 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 you know they treat some of the most vulnerable people in our society. The the aged right. that are too poor to take care of themselves, the disabled, and uh, and I don't care if you have no religious affiliation with ever. If you don't care at all, the fact that you would force a particular group to fund something that they That's are right. opposed of, it is. Um, and I, I forgot who put this together, but it's it's. It's not enough that we can can just hold our own values. The left doesn't want you to hold those values. That's right. You know, we're, here's the little sisters of poor. They're they're putting their own restrictions on themselves, right? That's we're right. not going to believe in abortion. We're not going to do this. We're not whatever. But that's not enough. They're restricting their own health care policy for their people. That's not enough for them. For the left, the left wants you to comply with everything that they want to. It, it, it doesn't make sense. They're imposing their morality. Yeah, yes, that's on right. Us. That's so, right. But but those kind of emotional stories should be out front and center for us on our side. But how we do trying that to connect with people with social media shutting you know, us down, genius. How do we do that? <laughs> now we're going to jump to social media. Oh my goodness. There's still going to be other social media avenues, but that's I mean, right. you've you've just you've got to start connecting one on one in in small meetings. Um, in community meetings, um, you know, whatever town halls, yeah. I, uh, you've, church groups, um, yep. business groups, um, to talk about particular things, you're going to have to get the message out other ways. And and, and there's going to be, I think, there's going to be a a whole new host of new social media stuff popping up that is is not aligned to big tech that we know as and. Um, and I'm excited about that. I think it's a good opportunity you know, to take we, them down. And we need, as conservatives, to know who our friends and allies are. And let me just give a plug real quick to a website called secondvote.com, secondvote.com. If you want to patronize restaurants, um, big box stores, whatever, whatever it is, you can search this website, and it'll tell you where they are on a list of issues um, if they're neutral liberal or conservative and that's a great way i used it recently during christmas time to buy christmas cards and gift cards i didn't want to patronize a restaurant that was leftist liberal and so i actually got panera uh, cards because they were neutral on the issues and i said okay i'll reward them with my my money secondvote.com secondvote.com um <laughs> there's a jingle there there somewhere. it is that's right <laughs> Um, Jeannie, as you're probably well aware, uh, the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress want to go after the Hyde Amendment that prevents taxpayer funding of abortions in most cases. Uh, They're making this a priority. How do we best defend the Hyde Amendment? What can we be doing to make sure it stays in place? Well, Short of winning elections, uh, the next thing you can do is raise a big ruckus about it. Uh, how about how terrible it is? I, I mean, look, th- th- again, we go back to the sixth congressional district because Henry Hyde's seat was the sixth congressional district, followed up by Peter Roskam, who held that seat and his conservative views very well for 12 years. It was then taken over by atheist Sean Caston who said he wants to be the deciding vote to end the Hyde Amendment as he sits in Henry Hyde's legacy seat. So you have to win elections to protect the Hyde Amendment. Um, and, and so when you think about this, people in the 6th District need to 
uh, let Sean Caston know that that is not what they want. I mean, and again, uh, you know, the sixth district includes really prominent religious institutions. So uh, I, there's there's no other way than to to tell folks that you're opposed to using your tax money to fund abortion, something you find morally repugnant. Um, and that message needs to be sent loud and clear. But once they own the seats, they own the seats. Once they once they can vote it out, they vote it out. I mean, this it's almost impossible to stop at this point. And we know that Democrats in the General Assembly are going after Illinois's, what, only pro-life law, the Parental Notice of Abortion Act. Boy, what would repercussions of that be if that is repealed or watered down? And how do we defend it once again? What do we need to be doing? Do we need to call our Democratic lawmakers? Will they listen to us? I think that there's a a handful of Democrats that will be on the Republican side with this. But again, the Republicans only have 45 House seats in the state house uh, you know you're you're going to need um 15 democrats to come alongside you and and vote against the repeal of parental notification i think you need to appeal to uh common sense here uh, i mean they they, they want to say that they oppose uh any sort of sex trafficking right we, we don't like anything like that uh we don't like rape we don't like incest well if you are pregnant as a teenager in many cases, there was an inappropriate sexual relationship that went on there. And if you fail to allow the parents some notification about the abortion, which would, uh, you know, reveal the fact that the, 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 the minor child was pregnant, uh, then you are basically helping any sex trafficker. Um, you're helping prostitution at an early age. You're helping all of that uh, along. Uh, and so I think that we need to appeal to their common sense. It just does not make sense that parents can't know. Jeannie, all the best to you. Once again, how can people connect with Jeannie Ives? Uh, I think the easiest way right now is to find me on Facebook. Find you on and Facebook. soon on Parlor and uh, yep, other Yep, soon other on Parlor and locations. MeWe and all those. Yep. All right. Good deal. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. And please tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. Until next time. Stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.